Hi there, welcome to the latest episode of the Kids Media Club podcast. I'm Andy Williams, producer director, and my fantastic co-host is Joe Redfern. Hello, uh, welcome. Uh, I'm Joe Redfern, and I'm a global brand director um, and specialist in content strategy. And today we are doing rather belatedly into January our 2022 predictions edition of uh, the Kids Media Club podcast, and we're delighted to welcome Emily Horgan and Tom Lee to join us for a more informal kind of roundtable discussion on where we see kids media heading in 2022. So without further ado, we'll get straight into it. So we've got another episode of the Kids Media Podcast. Uh, Could you both introduce yourselves for the benefit of our listeners? I'm delighted to be back on the Kids Media Club podcast again. uh, Thank you very much for having me. Uh, My name is Emily Horgan. I'm an independent kids media consultant um, and um, I base the consultancy that I give off a number of years in the trenches at Disney uh, and coming up through broadcast before then. Right, yeah, I'm Tom Lee. So I head up the youth trend spotting department at Kids Know Best. So I'm speaking to kids and families in the UK and USA. So uh, I shall be the voice of the children today. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for joining us. And today's um, edition of the podcast, uh, even though we're right at the end of of January, uh, Andy and I thought we'd try and crystal ball gaze a little bit make some predictions, talk to you about what trends you've been seeing and spotting in your lines of work and maybe, uh, yeah, do do a bit of a forecast in terms of what do we see happening in 2022 and who knows, we might be sitting here in 12 months' time seeing whether we were actually right with our predictions or not. So um, to open up, I thought we'd talk about content and content types Um, and it was sparked by something that you mentioned Emily, when we were discussing topics for this, um, in terms of the trend for longer content that you've picked up in your analysis of the various platforms that you look at. And that was really um, interesting to me because I think we've gone through a period in the last couple of years where we've tended to fall into an assumption that kids want everything shorter. TikTok is short form. YouTube is short. uh, And we all know that uh, attention spans might be decreasing, but actually you're seeing kids' movies pop on Netflix, for example. So really that prompted me to ask both of you, actually, are we doing kids a disservice by not providing them with some slightly longer form content? So what do you think, Emily? And then we'll come to Tom. Yeah, this is one of my favourite soapboxes to get up on. (laughs) I've got a few and this is like, yeah, in the top five. Um, The thing I see, so I look at I, I track streaming, I track the, the major streamers um, from a kid's point of view. Um, I love um, talking about how important all the hard work we do in kids' media is in, in, the, in the global offering of, of, of these big um, profit-making streamers uh, today. And something I do see profoundly uh, across multiple streamers is the performance of movies. So these uh, like animated blockbuster franchises in generally speaking, your things like your minions, um, obviously, you know, everything Disney and and obviously my Disney background kind of gives me quite a, you know, hallowed view of of the Disney film library. But, you know, all those films, the repeatability factor, they are, they drive huge engagement for, Mm -hmm. for, um, for those streamers, no matter what way you cut it. Um, They cut through, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm saying they are top 
performing titles across the board, you know, compared with your red notices, your don't look ups. Um, they cut through, they cut through all the all the genres to show how strong uh, an engagement opportunity they are with streamers. So, and it's interesting because, you know, there are some there are some outliers here. You know, the Secret Life of Pets, which, as far as I'm concerned, isn't the slam dunk franchise, is 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 one that cuts through. Um, so it's it's something that I, I've I've seen I've seen in the data. You can see it in in Nielsen data. You can see it in Netflix's global numbers. You can see it in trending data that kids films really cut through. Um, and it's something I think probably from the production economics of it that you know we, people tend to go around pitching TV series and when it comes to animation, i.e. short form and long form. Um, pitching a movie always, I think, probably feels um, a stretch too far in terms of the budget and the return on investment. But what I'm seeing from a, from streamers from a data point of view is actually, you know, the legs of a movie, if it's successful with kids, is actually really, really long. The repeatability factor is huge. And I like to say kind of back in the day at Disney, the only data point we had on movies after they went out of theatrical, mostly speaking, was whether people bought the DVD. Um, these days, we can actually see how much that DVD is being played, which I think is really important. And, you know, you look at um, data on something like Moana. So Moana, I would have said, was a bit uh, a bit of a one and done situation with Disney. It was obviously a really strong film and had great creative and great music and it did well and everyone was happy. Um, but we never would have necessarily could have said or could have known that Moana would continue to have replay factor for audiences. You know, now we are, what, five years later. Um, you know, you, you look at the latest US Nielsen data, it actually outranked uh, Frozen and Frozen 2. Now, I know those are two individuals, so that some of their parts is, is good for that franchise. But Moana was the most watched um, kids movie on, on on Disney Plus in the States uh, last year. So, um yeah, it's just it's it's just a really it's a really interesting area, and I think, like you say, Joe, you know, there's a focus on short form. We're always talking about YouTube and TikTok, but actually, those movies continue to be real drivers, um, and I think there's there's potential there for for you know for for an opportunity for producers. I believe that you know Netflix are trying to pursue their own um, uh, IP within that space. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure they've done. I'm not sure they've. Uh, nailed it yet um but yeah it's 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 something that like you know people don't go around pitching movies let's go pitch some movies yeah and and how about you tom do, do, are movies still important to kids and families the ones that you speak to yeah i, I mean a, a big sort of thing that you know from the, like my chats with parents and kids is a lot of it is on is on tv and movies and uh in lockdown movie nights was such a big thing as well as they were doing view, viewing party with friends, parties with friends. I don't think that's happening as much, but that event viewing on a on a Saturday on a on a weekday, especially with cinemas shut, that was a really important part of the, of a week. And mm -hmm. and I just feel like that's kind of continued. And movie nights is something that kids and parents look forward to. But I think for parents, that shared experience is is such a nice moment. And you know, I've, from what I've seen that. You know, obviously Spider-Man's a bit of a different beast, isn't it? But he's just really excited about being back at the cinema, that experience and and sort of either with friends or, or family. Um, the thing about Spider-Man is they all had, they were sort of viewing Zendaya and Tom Holland content on 
on TikTok and there's all these memes and so people there's this sort of obsession with the whole the build up wasn't there and yeah um, the general excitement of this of this huge sort of franchise and then but yeah with you know Disney Plus was you know a lot of parents and or or sort of family members buying it for households and and then that sort of shared viewing I think Disney Plus was such a big thing for especially you know with soundtracks and that sort of general you know it's not just the film it's everything that comes with it kind yeah. of thing so, um but yeah I mean you know obviously YouTube is talked about and and TikTok now is you know it's kids have access to TikTok accounts and um you know TikTok they can just sit there and they do just get served content don't they and it's the algorithm so quick to sort of filter out and and provide them with something that that they like or are interested in and, and sort of it's moved there's so many different kinds of categories of content on there now that it kind of caters for any interest doesn't it mm-hmm. it's and as crazy as random and um, as silly as it as as it can be so um i think that's the sort of danger isn't it you can they just get lost on 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 tiktok and and they're just constantly served content whereas with youtube you you subscribe to a channel don't you and and you know what it is and and you get notified for an, for a, a new upload um and the content is kind of you know that's to your taste and and you're sort of invested in in the creator if you like so um i just i just think for especially for parents that event viewing together um is really important and that's carried on since since lockdown mm. i mean what i'm curious about is whether whether those platforms and the streaming platforms have changed the way children relate to to movie content um do they do children that are watching uh, moana on disney plus is that a kind of a, a different relationship to how they've had um with movie content previously because before the, before the streaming platforms you'd either have had to rent it or it might have appeared on one of the tv uh channels you know it might have been on disney channel but it wouldn't be something that you could kind of um just rely on being there or you'd go to the cinema whereas now it I don't know whether do kids distinguish movies and programs quite as distinctly as they might have done, say, five years ago, or is it just in some ways on a spectrum of the content that they'd be able to get on that platform? Yeah, that's a really that's a yeah, it's an interesting point, Andy. Uh, I mean, like also, you know, don't forget the age-old content uh, consumption tactic of recording something on VHS and playing it till death and knowing exactly how long you have to fast forward to to get through the ad break. I definitely had a couple like that where uh, where I, I, I knew the exact cadence. Um, yeah, it's interesting, obviously, you know, that the, the, the broad availability that, that streaming um, services offer is is huge. So um, in that sense of, you know, is it, more, is it more just the same content and is it eventized as much? Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, I, movies are a great way to really connect with characters, you know, in a kind of in a deep way. And and the rewatchability of a movie, I think I I speak for the whole family, is always easier. You know, I could definitely watch, you know, Minions for probably the hundred and twenty first time rather than put on another Paw Patrol episode, um, personally. But um, yeah, it's it, it's interesting to think about whether you know kids see it in the same way. I mean, I still think that 
you know, what, what ends up being their favorite ends up being their favorite. And maybe there's an opportunity for some of these outsiders, like, as I said, the secret life of pets is this kind of, you know, from the data point of view, kind of a runaway success. Um, and maybe because it's, you know, one of the few, you know, bigger movies left on a uh, license to Netflix, you know, obviously the bigger, uh, the bigger studios have opened their own streamers and have ripped a lot of content from there. So um, they'll go for what's available. Um, so yeah, no, it's it's interesting. It's interesting to think about that. I, I'm not sure I have an answer. You know, that's probably something that Tom would need to go and do a to go and talk to kids and see what they have to say in a in a kind of research group. Like might might find some some insight. Because I kind of feel like the impulse to view that content on something like Netflix, the the expectations don't need to be quite as high. So Secret Life of Pets. If, if I'm looking at my own kids when they're on Netflix or Disney Plus, they'll just be looking for something to sit down and enjoy. Um, and, it's, yes. and, it's a, and it's less of a kind of expectation than they might have brought to a movie in any other scenario. Yeah. I also think it's interesting to think, like, the kids, you know, who are kind of coming up to be like five, six, seven now and, you know, or maybe eight, eight, nine, like that, that they will have missed the opportunity to go to a movie, a movie, a movie theater, probably in their kind of their rec rec recalled memory. Do you know what I mean? They probably have never been to a movie theater. I think that's a really exciting opportunity for, um, you know, for, for a, a cool content drop that speaks to that audience of kids who are coming back to the cinemas as far as they're concerned for the first time. Um, Tom, you said something that prompted another thought in that you would, when you were talking about Spider-Man, you, you said that, um, you know, there was a lot of content about Tom Holland and Zendaya on TikTok. And of course, huge studios with big releases like Disney, they do leverage their flywheel to get lots of different content out there to help support, in this case, the movie, which was the main event. So, um, one of my questions would be in, in relation to kids and families, if you're thinking about movies or TV shows, or, is there a minimum number of platforms that you think you need to create content for, whether it is long form, whether it's TV or short form? These days, really, if you are going to cut through, do you think that there's a minimum number of platforms you need to think about when you're, you're creating your content? I I like it depends on your target audience. I mean, obviously for you know, the big sort of Disney films or, or Spider-Mans that that can be watched by anyone, can't it? So why would you not sort of speak to kids in and target, you know, families in on the platforms they're on? So I think what it just works so well that, you know, obviously there's a natural chemistry with Tom Holland and Zendaya. So that just kind of just naturally just worked anyway, didn't it? Mm. Um, but I think with kids so invested in, in the franchise and and, and the not just the character, the actor that plays the character, that they love to like see a bit more about that person and any way they can, you know, any sort of actor or, or, or artist that they, they love, they, they like to get to know them a bit better. And, and it's hard to do that just on your general sort of social media profile because maybe you don't want to sort of kidify your, your sort of content or what you're putting out there. So any way they can sort of talk to kids or kids can get to know them a bit better through sort of tailored, you know, content promotional material on TikTok or on YouTube, maybe on a, you know, a YouTube channel, do you know what I mean? Rather than um, just sort of a general bit of content that they put out there. I just think kids really love that about, you know, YouTubers, they love watching a YouTuber do stuff that they do. So that 
that's why they're like gaming YouTubers, isn't it? Toy YouTubers. Mm. They're doing stuff that they can relate to and that they'll do at home. And if you, you know, sort of humanize these great stars in, in some sort of way through, you know, maybe they're, they're playing a video game or something. Um, I think it just really sort of helps the kids get to, get to know them a bit better and sort of, you know, when I was speaking to some kids last week and it's amazing how many, you know, they were talking about Toby Maguire, like they know all the actors' names and I was just really, they're just so obsessed with these these big IPs, these franchise films. And um, that they they just really, um, you know, resonate that the, the content in their sort of worlds, in their um, favoured platforms just really works with that audience, I think. Mm. It's funny to think about Zendaya's, sorry, Zendaya's back catalogue because, you know, she was originally a Disney star yeah. for many years on Shake It Up and Casey Undercover. Then she, obviously she was in Greatest Showman, which was a really broad family film. Um, you know, so, you know, kids today have kind of grown up with her. Yeah, weird, and, though, and yeah, she's also in Euphoria, which is kind of... I was going to say. <laughs> and that's crazy. I told her I had a question following that is that for these big kind of movie franchises, I kind of get how kids kind of really want to sort of follow watching clips on YouTube and 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 stuff like that. But if you're launching a kind of a, a new brand that doesn't have that legacy, where's the, where's the place where kids are kind of discovering stuff that they're not having to kind of intentionally seek out? Is that primarily on TikTok now? Is, is that no longer... Is, is YouTube no longer a kind of place where they're going to discover new content? I think TikTok is, you know, like mass awareness because they just go on and get served, you know, whatever sort of comes at them. So not necessarily a place where they'd they'd go and seek out something or, or go and search for something, but they get delivered it on the For You page uh, and, and then maybe sort of look into it in a bit more depth. You know, if they like a viral song, would they go and, onto YouTube. So that, that could apply to a snippet from a, from a film, but I think YouTube, like the recommended content and, you know, if you've got a, a YouTube influencer, I think kids can name their favorite YouTubers. They can't name favorite TikTokers cause it's just, this has everything. And it's, you know, it, it's not really a platform where you, you would necessarily engage with the creators as much as you would on YouTube because YouTube, you get the notification it's longer format uh, and you get to know the creators a bit better. Whereas, but uh, you know, TikTok, they're discovering stuff, but uh, you know, it's, it's hard to sort of break through when there's so much on there. Um, not to say you shouldn't be because it's where everyone is, but um, it's kind of mixing. Yeah. Like YouTube is, is, a, is a place where kids will go for specific things and TikTok, they'll just go for everything if you like. Yeah, it's a tricky one there because, you know, m mapping and tracking the nuance of the Netflix algorithm is uh, as hard as it, exactly as hard as it sounds. I mean, I think the, in the interesting thing that I see Netflix doing is, I don't know if you've been on the Netflix app on your phone recently, they've really tried to, 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 to rework that mobile app to be 
like a mobile tool. You know what I mean? Obviously, the 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 opportunity and the experience of watching content on your phone, if you want to, is is still there, totally, one hundred percent, um, supported. But the kind of native homepage is serving you. Uh, you know, you have you have you have the option in the homepage to, to dip into the short clips, and that goes for, for a kid's profile as well. So, um, they um. You know, if, if you if you go into your kid's profile on your mobile phone, you can give it to your kid, and they, like just like a YouTube or a TikTok or uh, or a TikTok experience, they can kind of swipe and have that experience of short form content coming on. And at least you know it's Netflix, so you know it's Walled Garden, and that's mm. safer. Now that's something they've done. It's something they talked about during the year, and they haven't, as far as I'm concerned, necessarily um, uh, marketed it or kind of hammered it home with. with families and parents as far as I've seen and um, but that whole even even I, there's other things about that mobile experience now it's more like you know there's this content coming up you know like notifying you of upcoming content to get you to add it to your watch list it's much more of a kind of a, a part it, 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 it's much more of a partner tool mm-hmm. to the to the experience than necessarily a viewing tool uh, though as I said the viewing is definitely there and supported in that kind yeah. of traditional sense and I think that I do think that is really that's a really smart way of of kind of reworking that mobile experience and 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 it should help with that engagement you know mm-hmm. and, and there's definite benefits to it like as I said having that short form content being served in a way that's native to mobile and native to that consumption pattern in kids and um, is an opportunity because parents can trust it right and is that do you think there's a scope for for Netflix to kind of develop that so it becomes almost a bit like a quibby type of um sort of platform effectively for Netflix. It's it's a place where they create or curate content that is actually more specific to a mobile device. For kids, I think, you know, I think definitely. I think, you know, the opportunity of having a short form environment on your mobile that you can give to your kids that you know is safe is is of value because, you know, obviously YouTube Kids is there. We all know the problems that, 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 that there's been with that, but also, you know, YouTube is filled with content that isn't necessarily high quality, you know, from a parental point of view, you know, the value of it in terms of learning, even though, you know, the majority of YouTube kids channels will say that they support learning, you know, it's not necessarily um, super strong. I mean, you know, I personally prefer my kid to be watching, uh, you know, narrative content that tells stories about characters that, you know, like the likes of Disney and the likes of um DreamWorks and 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 yeah okay you know but it, I, I I have more confidence in that as a parent than I do necessarily have in um in you know the kind of unboxing kind of YouTube style videos so mm-hmm. yeah I do I, I think it's an opportunity and I'm kind of confused why they haven't doubled down on it in that sense you know yeah yeah absolutely um we so I think we'll we'll move on to talking about educational content in a minute but um in terms of kind of content and content types or or brands um that exist at the moment just to make predictions bringing it back to the subject matter of this pod tom are there any brands or bits of content that you think are going to pop this year they don't necessarily need to be new you know what do you think is going to have a successful year this year in terms of content um good question I think what's the there's that German YouTube channel, isn't there? Uh, I always get the pronunciation right. Kyrgyzstad or something. Kyrgyzstad. That's the one. I think I think for me, you know, the, the channels like that, um, sciencey um, channels that are really sort of 
I'm hearing a lot more um, and, and hearing science as the favourite subject at school, mm. along with maths. Um, I just think this want to go and, and see something a bit different um, that's sort of educational, I guess, in a sense. Um, and, I, you know, if you look at sustainability as well, and we all know about Mr. Beast, but he had the big Squid Game video. But what kids mentioned to me is his philanthropy when he's, um, you know, his Team C's and Team Trees projects. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with Team C's where he raised $30 million to clean the oceans or some of the oceans. Mm-hmm. Um, one, a girl I spoke to was donating her, the fee we, we were paying for the call to that, um, to that project, to that campaign. So... Um, I just think that kind of content really resonates with children because they're all sustainability is is, is the hot topic, I guess, and uh, they're so well educated on it. And and it's not just from school; it's from YouTube or YouTubers or you know actively seeking out ways in which they can learn more on on the, on the subject. And um, so I just think these, yeah, that sort of um, that kind of content really resonates right now because kids are in this collective sort of movement or I don't know feeling attitude yeah. towards this is our future let's let's be better kind of thing mm-hmm. so um I just think you know I was speaking to some kids at a school the other day and they they mentioned Marcus Rashford would be a better prime minister than Boris Johnson so you know these these people that are doing great things for children I think um are really starting to you know, I, I just think that's something that kids really love to see and engage with um, mm. right now. Mm. And how about you, Emily, if you had to make a prediction in terms of... Yeah. yeah, in terms of content, I mean, I think like it kind of follows on from that. I, I do I do think there's there's, there's kind of a... There's, there's a bubble that exists of consumption, you know, and, and, and we've been living in this bubble of fast fashion and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And I feel like that's kind of at, at a stage where it needs to pop and popping is inevitable it's not just something that people are forecasting and I think creators that have been there before for all the right reasons um should sit, stand to gain from that I mean um I know for example um Cartoon Saloon have always Cartoon Saloon are an Irish um uh production studio they, they've always um they've always kind of prided themselves on activating their consumer you know consumer products around their uh, IP you know with the, with sustainability and and that kind of ethics in mind and and I lo- I'm really looking forward to seeing My Father's Dragon which is um their new film which will be hit which is due to hit Netflix this year so um that's kind of that's kind of a nice o- crossover of two things I think are, are important I think Netflix need to go and get a big great uh, movie hit for themselves and, and I would hold you know hope for My Father's Dragon that might be slightly um, biased uh, from the patriotism point of view um, but also I love all the kind of the the ethics that Cartoon Saloon bring to the production process and the process of the IP completely and I think that also um, has an you know has an opportunity this year to kind of um, to manifest in a really strong way. I just, can I just add something? Mm. Yeah yeah so I, I think um, anime as well obviously it's sort of flooded Netflix recently hasn't it but that's just something that I was hearing more in US calls when when we first started doing youth transporting, really coming through in UK calls. And I think it's 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 really sort of come through with, you know, it's not the sort of niche interest of of, of someone. It, it it really feels like a general friendship groups loving 
anime and, and speaking about like Crunchyroll, the streaming service, uh, and that's now been bought by Sony, hasn't it? And they've yeah. got lined up um, deals with Idris Elba. So more anime content, definitely, because I think that's the thing kids are really invested in. And I've heard of kids creating their own like anime characters or drawing anime characters at home and on digital apps as well. So that just feels like a big thing that's um, that's coming through. Yeah. Yeah, I concur with that. That's that I definitely kind of see that uh, enthusiasm for anime and animation. In terms of educational content and wholesome content, and I say wholesome, that's a word my kids use if something is, um, yeah, kind of good for them. Um, where are you seeing kids and families learning from at the moment, particularly kids? Um, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think it is that thing, isn't it? Would, would kids rather hear and, and watch a video on something than, than read text like maybe we would perhaps. I think what what always strikes me is, it, like you said, TikTok is now, like learn on TikTok has over 700 billion views or something. Um, and kids saying, like you said, they have learned to cook a meal or, and you would never think it would you. It's so, such a short form bit of content, but you know, even like learning, obviously it was sort of dancing, wasn't it, primarily initially, but all these different things that they're learning off the short form platform is, I, th- I, th- I just find it quite amazing that they take that and and then can sort of, um, you know, but like baking was s- such a big thing in, in lockdown that they would go uh, onto YouTube or yeah, more to YouTube back then, but maybe it's TikTok now where they would search for a recipe and, and they, and they could go off and do it off of a off of a YouTube video, um, but yeah, certainly with I think they like to to sort of hear stories like history. I've I've, I've heard quite a lot recently, and and when we're talking about school subjects, but not just learning at school, they'll go and find out more about these crazy Victorian characters or or whatever it is because they want to know more about the story. And and there's so much on YouTube that it can sort of add. You know, there's there's really good channels, aren't there, that that do sort of provide these lovely stories about characters and, and historical characters. And um, I just always it always amazes me how much kids want to go back home and sort of follow up um, uh, and and uh, enhance their learning, if you like. And you know, like with sustainability, they're probably influencing or at least teaching mum and dad a bit more than. Uh, it's, it's probably more that way than the other way around at the moment because they're so invested in it and they love learning about it and almost telling mum off or, or dad off for, for doing the recycling wrong or whatever it is. But um, yeah, that, that just always stands out to me how much they they sort of want to further their their sort of understanding of of things. And do you find in on Netflix, Emily? I know um, we we talked a few weeks ago about Ada Twist. Do, are you are you seeing content that has education uh, baked into the narrative? Are you, are you seeing um, going back to Netflix, but are you seeing a trend of of broadcasters and and SVODs doubling down on that? I think that the, the key thing for me on content, whether it's educational or or entertaining or or whatever you're having yourself, is connection. Okay, and that that's where the real the real value of content comes, and that's where the kind of the spark that can light the flame comes from. So, when you're talking about educational content and thinking about kids pivoting to YouTube or TikTok um, to learn stuff, 
for me, that's obvious because they're seeing creators or they're seeing people that are connecting with them. And that's where the value of the education is coming from. And that's why they're motivated to go and search that out. That's why they they find it Moorish. They find it, you know, they find it compelling. And that that is that is the real kind of the real value that, like I said, that the potential spark that we have as content commissioners and trying to think of educa- educational content that really connects with kids, that they want to learn more. Um, you know, and there's some really great presenters out there, like Maddie Motes brings to mind for me, who's able to really kind of make kids feel like they're part of the story, which I think is cool. And, I, you know, I, I, I'd refer to another example of this at the moment. Something that's having its flappy bird moment is a Wordle. Um, so it's a it's a word game that you that, that you play. Um, go Google it, find it, get addicted. You know, already <laughs> there. Yeah, tag me or curse me later. But you told Joe about you know the fact that you know you're doing it with your with your son and you're on a, you're on a streak and that like he's learning, but he's learning because he feels connected. You know, and that's that's the that's the real power. Like the power that content has to connect to to give you a sense of connection is where you know, uh, education can kind of reap dividends, uh, I think. So, yeah, they're, 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 you know, obviously the, we're always talking about this and it's obviously a hot, to- hot topic because we've come out of, well, we're, please God, coming out of the pandemic um, and, you know, stuck at home and BBC Learning and that was a great kind of service that they provided. But the key thing is the content needs to connect with kids, whether it's educational or it's entertainment. And if it does, then there's real value in it. And I, and I think that's really, really, um, that's really compelling concept and it's worth kind of just keeping front of front and front of mind because there's real power there yeah and i think word always uh it shows the power of the competition as well i mean my my youngest uh is playing it and a big factor of that is uh have i beaten mum or dad um, yeah yeah and that's absolutely a kind of i think a, a big part of its attraction i mean the genius of it is that it's the same word that everyone's trying to um decode yeah, it's so simple and it's one a day. It's really like achievable. Like there's so, there's so much, there's so many boxes that that, that ticks, but you know, your kids want to connect with you and that's, that's why they, they want, by beating you, obviously. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it, I think that connection is interesting um, because they do want to connect with you because they, they, they want to beat you. But also there's a global connection to Wordle in that everybody is getting the same word each day. So it kind of brings with it an, an implicit community that we're all doing this thing every day. And I'm connected to Andy doing it. I'm connected to you, Emily, Tom, you know, and somebody who sat in the US doing it. We're all doing it. And, and in a way that brings with it an implicit connection and community. And actually it's a, it's a brilliant lesson in marketing, isn't it? You know, yeah, something yeah. so simple can manage to, to take off and, and reach that tipping point just by tapping into that so yeah it is it is interesting uh, and I mean, for me the, the one I try the one I get the most excited about is like the really smart like New York Times writers you're like ah, <laughs> Wordle, though. <laughs> excellent yeah I mean it, it, again you you mentioned the hashtag uh, learn with TikTok um, Tom and, and and it's something I, I spend a lot of time looking at because there are some really great creators on there that are educational you know just top 10 facts about animals or did you knows and or you know the secrets behind packaging design that talks to a marketer like me snippets of short information that actually are so 
compelling and and, and interesting um and and they do tend to stick you know it's it, they call it micro learning don't they you know and, and for kids as well micro learning is a really great way of making information um stick how does kind of where does sort of bbc bite size kind of register for kids do you think um what what does that brand mean to kids yeah, it's hard to it's hard to tell, isn't it? Like you know, um, obviously, I think it's been something that's been loaded through the pandemic, and 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 it is worth it's it, you know it totally deserves the applause that it 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 gets because it was turned around so quickly and 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 that you know, um, I think you know where the where the BBC um maybe struggle a bit is once you get you know that it's great it's it's younger kids it's got it's slam dunk right but it's it's as kids start to get older and they start to migrate to, to platforms like tiktok where as a brand and as a public service brand it just gets murkier to play there because you're not really supposed to be playing there and you're not really supposed to be engaging 9 10 11 year old kids on tiktok because they're not supposed to be there even though they are there oh, can you not can you not engage those that audience on their own platform on the bbc platform but not in those formats. You know, we've talked about like that connection and, and how creators can have, you know, can, can kind of resonate with kids in that sense and micro micro learning. You know, there's no other that, that we haven't solved that, you know, and that would be a great prediction for uh, I don't think it's 2022 prediction. I'd say it could be a 2032 prediction of, you know, a short form platform that's safe for kids that they that they love, <laughs> you know, not just one that that, that we want them to love, <laughs> which has been tried a few times. Um but one that they that they really love where this content can have a home, you know, and and I think that's not just the BBC, any big global kids brand, Disney definitely is part of that, um, has this real hard problem that, you know, once kids start dabbling in social, they're not supposed to be there. And if you're a brand being there for them, that's that's tricky because you're not supposed to be encouraging that. And 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 that's kind of where where the kind of disconnect happens, I think there's there's that that audience, that kind of older kid audience, is is kind of um, left out in the cold a little bit because it, you know they go to the platforms that they enjoy and they're not necessarily the platforms they're supposed to be on. Yeah, and I, I think sort of echoing Emily's words, like it's that seven to sort of thirteen age bracket, isn't it, where they're not supposed to be on social or they're not supposed to be on these platforms and. Uh, it's quite a sort of tough audience to really know what what they're doing and what, how they're consuming content and things. Because I think with the BBC, like if they got it right, like families are invested in in the in the in the whole institution, aren't they? And and it would be lovely if they did, because I think they do lose that audience. And and then you know, like BBC Three did so well, didn't it? Where it went digital and then came back and and sort of for teens plus, I, th- I think there is that sort of gap. Um, in the BBC where they're, yeah, they're not sort of catering for that audience um, or sort of, you know, on the right platforms, if you like, to to sort of keep keep engaging with them. And I think it, it does just sort of drop off at, at a certain age past the sort of preschool uh, age range, I guess. Yeah, we're going on to talk about platforms uh, last but not least. And uh, yeah, we have kind of concentrated on video platforms, but I'm keen to talk to you about um, the market for audio and gaming, Minecraft and Roblox. You Obviously, kids aren't just on video platforms, they're on other platforms too, often at the same time as they're on video platforms. Um, so, you know, is it, what are your predictions in terms of how they're going to spend the time across those platforms? What, what are you seeing 
in your lines of work that you could call out as a trend that you think is only going to increase this year? What are you seeing, Emily? I mean, yeah, I think Roblox is a is a super established platform for kids, and and I think the the creativity and the the um, the limitless the limitless feeling of the world is something that really that really appeals to them and and will continue to appeal to them because they're able to you know essentially build you know and we see this in Minecraft as well build out what their what their own vision is um, and I also think you know as kids who have grown up with these platforms kind of mature become adults I think their ability to code content create deliver content for these platforms that is probably far more close to what you know what what the audience wants than us old people who are like yeah I think you want a bit of education have some uh you know I think I think there's huge there's huge potential in that so um absolutely on the podcasting side um I have such a soft spot for for podcasts. <laughs> it's just helpful that I'm on here. But um, you know, I think uh, the opportunity that podcasts provide parents of it not being screen time, I think is uh, is is has a lot of potential, and I can see that 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 building out. I think we hear about lots of services launching um podcasts. I mean, of course, I'm going to say Netflix because that's what I track. But they recently launched podcasts. Um, uh, and the the those services are kind of building up. So yeah, I think I think that will that will happen for kids. I mean, the, the podcasting sector is probably it's definitely a smaller segment, and and it's not going to be you know it's not going to blow up like social media. But I do think there's there's real potential there. On the on the podcast side, do you think the fact that it maybe isn't as big as other um, categories is because kids don't do kids produce their own podcasts in the same way that they um would kind of kids would put their own videos on youtube or they'd they'd record their own tiktoks i always think that 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 ability for them to almost feel like they could do it themselves is a big part of the appeal of mr beast and and you know a lot of the kind of big youtubers and tiktokers and i wonder whether that the fact that maybe they don't see that in podcasts um means it doesn't kind of sort of have the same splash for them I don't know about you, Andy, but I was like on the record button of my um, my hi-fi when I was about seven doing like radio broadcasts. I mean, it wasn't, that was a thing, right? That wasn't just in Ireland. Like we, that was like one of the first ways I ever created content, like just, you know, pretending to read the news and reading nonsense news for the laugh with my mates yeah. and then listening back to it. You know, like that is like the original, that's the OG of kids' content creation. Absolutely. But mm-hmm. I, don't, I wonder whether does that kind of apply now, though? That's a business idea. Go pitch it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting. And and when you're talking to kids, given that I imagine a lot of them say to you, Tom, that they want to be a YouTuber or a creator, it, it, do you notice a lack of or any barriers to them creating audio content or do they still do it? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, that doesn't really come, come around that much. I think with kids and podcasts, especially for the younger kids, a lot of it is, to relax isn't it and and it's a sort of mindfulness and um you know it's just it's just for kids to sort of settle down and uh and and, and sort of being consumed with uh, a nice relaxing story but um yeah i think with you know alexa's now there's so many um sort of places in the house or in the car where um i think podcasts are probably more put on by parents for kids rather than 
it's seeking them out necessarily from from my conversations anyway but um yeah you know we've we've done um we did a big survey on on podcasts and it it was like 43 percent of kids had listened to um podcasts but the main reason was for um relaxing so i think it's still sort of it's not being consumed in a way that youtube content would for example that it's just something to put on and and sort of not fall asleep to but i mean obviously there are like calm kids is a thing isn't it and that i think that's stories for kids by kids isn't it that's what they say so um i think it's just sort of that might come through later on but i think at the moment it's more of a um of a downtime kind of uh, activity if you like i mean have you guys are you guys familiar with the tony box that's kind yeah. of quite a hot a hot property that's kind of emerged in the last two two probably two years i mean says the person who has a two-year-old <laughs> my capacity for awareness is uh, suspiciously time-framed with with my awareness of that but um yeah that's something that i think you know is, is a step in this in this area um for sure that that could emerge you know and again kids who are that behavior being kind of embedded at a young age and then what the next iteration of that is when the toddlers of today are you know seven eight nine and they're used to that you know is, is, is interesting to, to to think about yeah I, I it's it's interesting for me that kids are, are such prolific creators but um yeah it's interesting opportunity that there seem to be more barriers to them creating audio than um, necessarily there is to video when they can just pick up their phone and, and do a TikTok. Um, so yes, therein lies a business opportunity. Let's uh, talk off, off air. Okay, well, um, I think we, we've come to almost an hour of talking and I do always start these worrying that we're not going to be able to fill the time. And once again, I've got through half of the questions on my notebook. We could perhaps talk for another hour. Um, but thank you, both of you, for joining us today. And I think it's been really interesting. Um, I'm going to kind of put you on the spot. I know we've been asking as we've gone through what your predictions are, but is there anything really that you would, if you were going to have to bet a hundred quid on something to happen before the end of 22, what wild prediction would you make? I I'm gonna put I'm gonna put hundred hundred quid on optimism, and I'm gonna say cinema performances are gonna come back. And the, my concern, which is that animated films end up you know always going straight to streaming, as has been happening the last two years, gets disrupted, and you know that traditional cinema cinema experience uh, makes makes a comeback. Uh, maybe not the same as it was before, but uh, meaningfully and profoundly. Great one. How about you, Tom? I haven't to think about this. <laughs> have you got any? Have you got any predictions? Oh gosh! That, well, <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we we talked about one prediction, didn't we? Um, which was sci-fi as a trend making a return. Yeah, sci-fi in space. Yeah, that's that's certainly certainly one thing that I think. Perhaps we'll 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 come back um, because we we don't seem to have had much sight. I think do you know interesting. I think perhaps certainly shorter form creators or TV creators have have maybe been a little bit wary of addressing space because Star Wars and Disney they kind of own space. Well, with the Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett and all the spin off movies, so maybe a lot of creators have, have uh, neglected to think about space for younger 
kids. But certainly that was one thing I got at, at Toy Fair was that um, space for preschoolers is, is a big opportunity. So let's call space. <laughs> How about you? Did you think of one yet? Um, I, 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 I guess, you know, for, from all the calls I have, I think one theme or, or thing that always comes out is sustainability. So let's let's go with that and let's say that kids will start sort of um, being talked to about sustainable projects and, and brands that, that can talk to kids about it are doing it um, because I, I think that kids want to know. Um, but I feel like they just don't know what brands are doing it. And I think if brands can speak to kids about it, then um, kids will really respond to that. Mm. And how about you, Andy? I, I spoke over you. I apologise. Where's your 100 quid going? So I think that we're going to see education brands uh, become broadcasters and content creators and studios in a way that we haven't before. So I think um, something like Duolingo, you're going to see those brands creating their own content, um, which will be that kind of merge of entertainment and education. Yeah, I think that's, that's a good call. I, I, I was asking, yeah, I was asking kids about New Year's resolutions and actually there was quite a lot of um, of education and even um, wanting to learn new languages. So I think that's a good shout. Excellent. Okay, well, that's great. Thank you so much. We've got a few um, predictions that we've written down and we will be testing you on those in uh, 12 months' time, see how uh, they've whether they've come true or not. Um, so thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Great. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Thanks very much. Speak to you soon. If you enjoyed the podcast, please rate this episode and subscribe to the series. It would be enormously appreciated. And thank you very much for listening. We really hope that you tune into the next episode. Bye.